Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Verizon Wireless. This is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, home of Bar Canada, a north-of-the-border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra-smooth, Arizona-owned. Behind the mask, whether you're on ice or in line, we are the Valley's headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized koozies and shower shoes at icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is a part of the icetimehockeysw.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Rob Rothfarb. All right, welcome in hockey fans, professional hockey fans as it may be. This is Monday night, which of course means it's Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas Hotel Resort Casino, right downtown Las Vegas, right on Fremont Street, and just down Fremont Street from that beautiful new Circle Hotel, both owned by Derek Stevens. We thank them for being our partners. Scott Strandy with you tonight, live from Denver, Colorado, and the beautiful Drury Inn and Suites, uh, just south of the city. And uh, my co-host, as always, Rob Rothfarb, joining me from beautiful Southern California. Rob, how are you? I am well. I am well. Hockey's uh going right now and it's a beautiful thing <laughs> oh boy is that the understatement of the year <laughs> uh, it is absolutely crazy uh it, if you've been following my uh, uh i don't even know what to say my uh, my trip i guess i would call it this is starting week number three in colorado i'm uh, destined from here to go to springfield missouri on wednesday and then on to st louis for the weekend and then work my way slowly back to Colorado and then back to Arizona. So, ah, I have seen more hockey, Rob, than um, than you can even imagine. Well, it's still hockey, and you get to see it. So, and you get to see it in person. It's not just uh, on TV or on the internet. You get to see live hockey. So, you got to be excited about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, still wearing the masks here. Uh, you can't can't see players uh, in person without a mask, but. Uh, I'm just thankful that that's, uh, I mean, if that's all it is, I'll take it, right? Uh, vaccinated, wearing a mask, uh, no big deal. So that's the college side of things. I've seen Denver, Colorado College, Air Force, uh, Arizona State. I have not seen in person yet, but all off to good starts. When we talk uh, professional hockey, um, one full week now for the NHL, just about, and uh, tomorrow we'll make it one full week. And the AHL got things rolling on uh, Friday, Saturday, whatever night that was, <laughs> they're all blurring together. Uh, so, so we're starting to see some things, and uh, I guess the number one thing that I'm seeing, Rob, is uh, injuries. Uh, there have been a, a couple of injuries uh, to start out the season. Uh, I know that Austin Matthews in the Rangers uh, Maple Leafs game is just getting back. 
uh, from some off-season surgery. Uh, so as guys are falling, guys are also coming back to uh, the game uh, that we love. Yeah, well, thank God for that. And in Vegas, they're uh, they're just going like, please, please, please let this all stop because uh, Mark Stone gone for uh, a period of time. Max Pacioretty gone for a period of time. Alex Tuck didn't start the season yet, and uh, we still don't know when he's coming back. So Vegas is, uh, is uh, feeling the brunt of it this year, and because of their cap numbers, it's hard for them to uh, – to maneuver around it. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Of course, the story uh, still remains Jack Eichel, not right. traded, not playing, not getting surgery. Um, but where does this all end? Well, the latest that I had heard is that uh, Eichel's camp and the Sabres are allowing uh, Eichel's camp to show medical records. And I guess it's, it'll come, my guess, it'll come down to a team that lets him do that disc replacement surgery as opposed to the fusion surgery because if he does the this replacement he feels that it's going to uh, lengthen his career and also shorten his rehab whereas the this was the uh fusion he's going to have to have multiple surgeries down the road and this there's no precedence with this this replacement to have multiple surgeries so that's the route that he looks like he wants to go so it will be a trade to a team that i think will allow him to do that yeah, and that, that makes sense. I heard some craziness on the NHL network today about the fact that um, they were they were talking about trying to um, retain salary. And I'm going like, what? You're talking about retaining salary? I mean, how in the world can that happen at this point? Because all the teams are, are locked in for the year. So, um yeah, and I don't think Buffalo in any way, shape, or form wants to retain any salary on a player of, of his status if they're going to lose him. I don't know. Actually, funny you mentioned that because one of the reports I heard uh, from Darren Drager, it might have been, uh, saying that Buffalo might consider that to get a better prospect because if they want to trade him now, before the surgery, he's they're going to have to have some sort of – uh, relinquish of something, whether it's high draft picks, uh, the player that they want, uh, or if it's uh, retaining some salary in order to move him before the surgery. If they wait until after the surgery, then they have to try to build up his value. But to get the most of his value, uh, that's something that I did hear is that they uh, might try to retain some salary. Well, let, let me tell you from where I sit right now, guess who inquired about that? Mr. Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche. I, I know, I, oh, my goodness. I know that Vegas also inquired about that, too. Oh, yeah. Of the salary cap constraints that Vegas has. Yeah, Vegas is, Vegas is all over it. They would – and uh, I, between those two, I don't know who could give uh, Buffalo the best deal as far as prospects go because there's a lot of players that, that – A, there's some players that could be moved from either team that would be – immediate impacts, if you will, for Buffalo. Um, and then also there's uh, some some prospects and some draft picks down the road that could be valuable. So it's going to be a, a bidding war when it comes right down to it, I think. Absolutely. And, and I don't discount the Rangers uh, being involved in that mix as well. And they're in, the, in overtime right now with uh, the Maple Leafs. And this overtime is absolutely crazy right now. The Maple Leafs just had three <laughs> opportunities to score. Matthews is leaning over the boards right now because he's like, pu I think he's puking because he's so sick of how many opportunities he has missed in this game. <laughs> it's crazy. So the Ranger goalie says Derek can try to clear it. Did not. 
and then all uh, heck broke loose. And but Shesterkin made a couple of key saves. This has been a really good game. Uh, the, the Maple Leafs have outplayed the Rangers. Uh, I, I want to say at least two to one in shots, and the Rangers are still tied one one. Goaltending, yeah. goaltending, goaltending. <laughs> Boy, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's bounce back to the Pacific Division. Okay. Uh, when you, it's only been you know some like Vancouver's played three games, Seattle's played three, but everybody else has played either two or one. Right. Games going on tonight, of course. But um, any surprises when you look at that? Because uh, Edmonton on top with two two wins, no losses, four points. Uh, Seattle uh, with one one and one, which is pretty even, and playing tonight. Uh, Vancouver one one and one three points, um, San Jose one and zero oh, two points, um, the uh, LA Kings one and one and two points, Anaheim one and one and two points, and Vegas one and one and two points, and then of course Calgary's just played one game and uh, lost that one, so they are uh, oh one and oh with no points. Anything surprise you on that, Rob? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Seattle, uh, what surprised me is uh, until tonight, they were losing 5-1 last I saw it to the Flyers, uh, was Seattle just how close the games are. 2-1, uh, 3-2 to one, uh, three to, three to type of thing. Uh, Rangers just won in overtime, by the way, and my son is texting me, so that's why I'm hesitating. Uh, but <laughs> but Edmonton, Edmonton, I really thought they'd score more than eight goals in the first two games, honestly. They, they beat Calgary 5-2. to two. In the first game, uh, I I don't remember who they beat. I think Vancouver in the second game they beat. Uh, so Edmonton two and zero doesn't surprise me. They they're going to be one to challenge Vegas when Vegas gets the ship right. Uh, seeing the bottom of Vegas and Calgary kind of is, is surprising, even though it's it's one game for Calgary and that was that five two loss. Uh, but San Jose, Los Angeles, Anaheim in the middle, we kind of figured that they're going to jumble along there there some way. Uh, but the Kings are playing some good hockey. Anze Kopitar was the first star of the week. Uh, he had uh, four goals, three assists for seven points over two games. Uh, so uh, it was nice to see. It was nice to see a, a Western Conference guy because he's the only Western Conference guy of the top three stars. It was Ovechkin and Stamkos with the other two stars. Uh, but the Kings are playing well. Uh, Anaheim looks tough. Uh, McTavish is up in the rookie scoring already, uh, so it's 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 a lot of good stuff to talk about with the Pacific Conference. Pacific yeah, you know Division. one of the, one of the things I think with um, with Los Angeles that's uh, I I thought it was going to be this way actually when they got uh, uh, Arvidsson, I thought they were going to be uh, that was going to be a very good line, and as long as they stay healthy with Kopitar, Arvidsson, and Brown, um, that that's pretty solid. There's a lot of experience, a lot of goals in that line it's going to depend on the depth and so far so good as far as the depth goes and i guess also goaltending 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 and so far so good for cal peterson well cal peterson was a high, high draft pick and uh he was handed over the reins this year he got a little bit of taste of it last year uh he's a big guy he, you know he's he's a big guy he fills up the net uh i know he's not six seven big but he just looks bigger than he is in the net and I think he's a little bit more imposing than, than these guys are uh, used to with the Kings because Jonathan Kick Quick was on the smaller end. Uh, but one of the surprises early, uh, Drew Doughty leading the defenseman with six points in two games. 
Yeah, and again, that's uh, I think that's driven by the uh, Olympic team. He he really has a desire to want to play for Team USA, and uh, he's working really really hard to earn that spot. And uh, if he continues that up, that's a win for Los Angeles. So, um, in, in Anaheim's case, uh, one and one and two points, just like the Kings. But um, Anaheim's getting it from some youngsters. Yeah, well, McTavish, like I said, is up uh, in the leaderboard uh, with the, with the uh, with four, two points already. Uh, yeah, Zegris has been flying, uh, giving it an opportunity to be on the top line. Uh, so Anaheim, we talked about that uh, last week. How the kids go as well is how Anaheim will go. You know, and the other thing with Anaheim that I've seen uh, early in the season with just the two games is. Um, they're rejuvenating Ryan Getzloff. <laughs> I mean, you figure he's he's old enough to be the father of some of these kids, and um, and he's playing right along with them. And I think they're giving him new life. Well, that's that's not unheard of. Look, I got three kittens, and that gave my twelve year old cat more life. She's more energetic these days. You know, you have kids around all the time. You know, you have to keep up with them, and you have to be, uh, make sure that you're not considered the old guy. So he's really stepping up his play, and he's the leader of that team. Uh, come hell or high water, it's going to revolve around Getzloff and how he plays. Okay, so let's let's jump over to Vancouver because I think they're another somewhat surprising start. They're one one and one, um, but there's so much talent on that roster too, Rob. It's just why can't Vancouver put it together, and will they put it together this year? Because their defensive core looks really really good. They got a goaltender that's got his own net now for the first time in, in uh, Thatcher Demko. And, um, you know, they've got some offensive players as well. Is this the year that Vancouver finally uh, puts it together, for lack of a better term? Well, you know what? Can Thatcher Demko be the guy? Can he lead this, this team? Like, I just watched uh, the range of Maple Leaf games. Just Sterkin stole this game. How many games like that can Demko steal for Vancouver? Because he's going to be tested. He's the defense as, uh, you know, tenured as they are, then they're not all fleet of foot. So will they be able to keep the shots out? Will they be able to block some shots? Uh, it all, to me, boils down to, you know, will Thatcher Demko be able to hold off Halak? If Halak is playing more games, you know that Vancouver's struggling because Demko is supposed to be their number one guy. And to me, it all revolves around that. Is, is Thatcher Demko going to be the guy? Okay, and we, we talked briefly about Seattle, but let's look at them just a little bit closer here because uh, Dave Haxtell, as you said, has uh, brought the team to his old uh, NHL stop, which was uh, three-plus years in, uh, in Philadelphia. So they're, they're getting it handed to him tonight, but Seattle's a lot like the Islanders in the fact that they got to go on the road. Um, not nearly like the Islanders, though. They, they, they have a 13-game road, but I think Seattle's is only five, but still – um. It, yeah, the bonding happens, but also, guess what? The guys get a little tired. Like third, fourth, fifth game, um, they they may be getting sick of the road at that point. And you know what? And they did a lot of bonding because they were a new team. They may be getting sick of each other a little bit. You know, that family in uh, squabbling might happen, and you know when you spend too much time together. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the the reception they get when they finally get to get home. And, and, you know, the other thing, Rob, is when you're new like that, you're a new team and you jump out and you start off your uh, your year in Vegas and you have all that energy and um, you look fired up and ready to go. But then maybe game four, five, six, 
uh, it starts to catch up to you. You've been from one city to another city. You played an overtime game. You played tight games. Uh, everybody's giving you their best shot because they don't want to get beat by the expansion team, if you will. Um, right. That that could be something that really starts to physically and mentally wear on you after a period of time. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. The only good part is that this team is is veteran, a bunch of veterans. So hopefully they can fight through that a little bit. Uh, I mean. You know, out of the gate, Jaden Swartz has looked really good. Uh, Morgan Geeky has looked good. We talked about him last week as maybe being one of those guys that uh, could step up in a role that he's not used to and get more playing time. Uh, and a little trivia question for you: Who was the who's the first Seattle Kraken to get into a fight? Uh-huh. Good one. I don't know that one. Have you, do you know that? Or has it happened yet? Yes, it has. Vince Dunn. I couldn't. Oh, I, Vince I Dunn got I don't it. Don't remember who he fought, but yes, Vince Dunn. First, first Seattle Kraken to <laughs> drop the gloves in a regular season game. <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's going to be a lot of firsts for them this year, so that's kind of cool. But um, so that leaves us with with just three teams left. One of them is on top of the division, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, and I don't know. I, I, I mean, Edmonton's offensive talent really good. Uh, their defense got bolstered, if you will, with the uh, trade to Chicago. But doesn't it still come down to goaltending in Edmonton? Absolutely. 100% it goes down to goaltending. And will they have the, be able to? Will they be able to hold off? I mean, you know, uh, their goaltending has been their Achilles heel. Uh, they still have Mike Smith. They re-signed Mike Smith, which was a head scratcher. Uh, you know, Miko Kassanen, he's not going to challenge Mike Smith. I mean, is he? Uh, I mean, last, last year uh, it was, you know, two to one probably in terms of games. Mike Smith maybe tied out in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to have to split the load if Mike Smith's going to be the one that they're going to count on in the playoffs because he's going to wear down. I mean, he's not a youngster anymore. Not, not only wear down, but he's got a, a history of having injuries every now and then. He barely ever gets through a season without that, having some time uh, on the injured list. So True. Um, that, that's a distinct possibility. Okay, so that leaves us with two, team in the Paci- two teams in the Pacific to talk about. Um what in the world's going on in Calgary? Um, there again, I, I just don't understand some franchises and what they do, but I know it's just one game. I know it's just one loss and they can come on, but they just seem like they're not all together. Like they're a bit in disarray. Am I well, reading that correctly? Well, they signed Blake Coleman in the offseason, and I thought when they signed him that all the uh, Goudreau and all the Kachuk rumors would die down and whatnot. I don't know. It just seems like they are missing something. They're missing something as far as that chemistry that uh, you see in Carolina, that you see in Tampa, uh, that you see in Vegas. Uh, so just something that's missing uh, with that team. And, you know, does it boil down to goaltending? Does it go- boil down to uh, defense? I-, I don't know. It's just this, this team is, is like an enigma. You'd think they should be so much better than they are because they've got a lot of talent on that team, but yet they can't seem to put it together. Yeah, and the other thing, uh, before we get to Vegas, uh, which is just, well, we'll get into that in a minute. The other thing with the uh, Pacific Division, everybody in every other division is saying, like, oh, well, the Pacific's really weak. The Pacific's won't be very good. But yet the Pacific Division seems to be holding their own early on um, against opposing uh, divisions. And I think they're showing some some surprise, like we said with Anaheim, with uh um, Los Angeles, even with San Jose, there, there's some surprise there. And even Seattle, um, you know, some people said they were going to get 
what, 80 points, 75, 78, something in that range. Um, but uh, a lot of people said, yeah, they're going to struggle. They're a, they're a new franchise. Uh, will they put it all together? Well, they're doing okay for the start. And then, of course, you have Edmonton and Vegas, and um, anything can happen with those two. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think Edmonton and Vegas uh, are going to have a, a good first-half battle. I think Vegas, once they get healthy, will start pulling away because they're just the more complete team uh, over Edmonton. But I think it's going to be uh, Vegas and Edmonton uh, in the top two spots. And we talked about it last week. Uh, you know, We thought maybe there'd be like 20-point gap between Edmonton and uh, Vegas uh, or Vegas and Edmonton if you go 1-2. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Because, I, like I said, I just don't see the goaltending. That's not the division that has the best goaltending, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, totally agree with you. Okay, so before we wrap up um, the NHL talk, we still got about 10 more minutes of NHL. Then we're going to take a break. Then we're going to come back and talk AHL. But um, Vegas, as I mentioned, two key players, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty out. They started the season without Alex Tuck. So a team that um, was – was pretty veteran and pretty, uh, um, how should I say, offensive orientated. Uh, all of a sudden, now finds themselves in a tough spot because um, they got injuries. So now it's up to these younger guys to, to come up and not, not to take away the thunder from our uh, AHL talk. But Peyton Krebs just looks too good to be in the AHL. So can he transfer that um, offensive prowess, prowess, prowess? as I should say, the professional speaker speaking for you, um, to the NHL game. Um, is he going to be the guy? Are they going to have to go look for guys? Do they have more guys? Is Jack Dugan going to set up? Is uh, uh, Pavel Dorofeyev going to step up? Who's it going to be in Vegas? How are they going to fill this uh, void? Well, it could, it could be guys that are currently on the roster. I mean, uh, Dadzanov is going to have to step up. He's going to have uh, He's going to have a more enhanced role. Uh, with the injuries, uh, Marshall Saltz, uh he started out well. I, th I think he has a couple of goals on the season. Uh, it's going to be guys. Nolan Patrick's going to have to step up. Uh, Nicholas Roy. I mean, Riley Smith. I mean, there's going to have to be guys with that are current, on the current roster that are going to have to step up and be counted on more than the, than the kids from the minor leagues. Okay, before we leave the Vegas talk, um, did they trade the right goaltender? <laughs> You really want to go down this? Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, look, yeah. Look, yes, Mark, I do. Marc-Andre Mark Fleury, is, it's, it's, he, Chicago's not struggling because of Marc-Andre Fleury. Chicago's uh, struggling because of Chicago. Right, right. So I, I think that Vegas would be a much better team with with both Leonard and Fleury, and they could have had that. Uh, I just think that this is going to be a really interesting season for Leonard with all the uh, talk that he had about you know what teams treated him poorly and what teams treat guys poorly. I just think it's way too much pressure for him to put on himself when he he's now the number one guy. If Marc-Andre Fleury was still there, that controversy that he stirred up might not be as big of a deal because he could be hidden a little bit more. Now he's front and center. So it's going to be right in the smack of that controversy, especially if he struggles. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, let me tell you a couple things that you can't measure in dollars and cents and different things. Um, Mark Andre Fleury was the heart and soul of not only that city, but of that hockey team. Um, his ability to keep his, his players loose, his ability, his teammates loose, I should say, his ability to uh, 
make a big save and uh, give some energy to the roster. And more than that, his ability to avoid controversy. Uh, remember when Robin Leonard came over and everybody, including Mark Andre's agent, was uh, stirring the pot uh, about it? Um, and then all of a sudden, Mark Andre comes on and it's like, hey, it's the same old Mark. Uh, I really miss being in the locker room for that that time when all that <laughs> happened because he's the same old Mark. And um, I don't know if they could have kept two of them, but remember what I told you as you were talking about uh, um, Robin Leonard and all these different things? I said, is that going to be a distraction not only to him but to the room? And is right. his, his struggle with uh, mental illness, which he's come out and said all along, um, you know, that he struggles with, is that going to be things that are going to pop up? And uh, if you're dealing with something like that, and I don't know, I mean, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, I don't know. Um, but if if that's the case where um, you, you're struggling with that type of thing, is it a really good thing to have extra pressure on your shoulder where you're trying to do battle, if you will, against the entire league? Well, uh, I, for, I, I wonder if Vegas would have reconsidered if all this would have happened while Flurry was still there. Remember, this all didn't happen until Flurry was already gone. So there was nothing that Vegas could do at the time. But I'm curious to see what would have happened if if uh, Flurry was still around. Would this have been uh, made as big of a story? Boy, hindsight is twenty twenty in that one, my friend. But uh, I agree. <laughs> I, I think they would have to have done some some searching into it because. As you mentioned, uh, Robin Leonard is the guy now, right? And um, there, there's a lot of pressure with being the guy. Uh, yep. You can't you can't hide from the media. You can't hide from uh, the fans. You can't hide from your teammates. Right. Um, and for him to be pulled in the first game, and I, again, I don't know if that was all his fault when he got pulled. Um, not the first game, but the uh, second game in in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if that yeah, was. Yeah. He didn't look good at all in that game. No, no, he, and that's what worries me uh, as a uh, as a Vegas outsider, insider, whatever you want to call me, um, because I think that that down the road, this is only game two, right? Um, what's going to happen in game 50, 60, 70 uh, as you get towards the playoffs? So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit shaken by that. I, I wasn't as shaken because I was convinced that they were going to go with a tandem of Robin Leonard and the Logan Thompson. And I really thought that Logan would be the kid that would step in and, and maybe steady things if Robin was a little bit off. Um, but they didn't go that way. <laughs> and that just shocks me because he was the AHL goaltender of the year. Well, he may be the AHL goaltender of the year for a second straight year. as, uh, as I won't get to it, but the Silver Knights are off to a 2-0 start. So yeah, we'll we'll uh, get to that we'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, so anyway, I, I'm really curious on that. And to wrap up the NHL talk, about 5:30 p.m. Eastern time today, something like that. Um, news broke about Evander Kane. Hey, you stole my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-one game suspension without pay. Follow it up. What what for the COVID protocol? Yes, he he. Uh... He violated COVID protocol, and would it would it be a show if we had a show and did mention Van de Kane? Would it actually be a show? <laughs> well, as soon as I heard that today, I started thinking I got to get a hold of our guy Shang Peng 
and uh, and find out what Shang knows and what he thinks. And, and then I realized, no, you know what? That's just putting too much on Shang late in the uh, late in the day uh, to try to rush him into <laughs> this. And he probably doesn't. Well, I shouldn't even say that because I know Shang better than that. He's probably got all the facts and got it all lined up uh, right as it came out. So that that to me is uh, it, it's just something. I mean. Uh, I, I just don't know how you're going to get through that. I, he's apologized, everything, um, but but it's just a huge distraction. And now missing 21 games, and he comes back at the end of November. What, what's that going to be all about? He was he was already a distraction, and now he he has to have his teammates answer more questions about him. And so it'll be very interesting to see if he even comes back in when the suspension's up. If they don't try to trade him before that. Because I just I don't know how he he'll be taken in the locker room. He was already on uh, shaky ground in the in the locker room, and now to have something like this happen and to be spent twenty one games, and look, he hasn't even been handed any type of uh, suspension or anything for the for the gambling report, just for the violating the ethics code uh, with the NHL. So it'll be interesting to see how he's received in the locker room in November if he does come back. And that says something, Rob, because how big a thing, and we don't know all the details. We've heard rumors about it, and I don't want to speak on rumors, but uh, how big a thing does it have to be where you get suspended 21 games for ethics? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be pretty serious, right? That's just it's, – it's just ridiculous. I mean, you'd think that he'd be doing everything in his power to stay out of the limelight and out of the spotlight and just come back to the team as uh, quietly as possible. But nope. He does everything loud, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no surprise there. He's done everything loud all of his career, I think. Yeah, but um, I agree. Anyway, it, so I, I thought we had to touch on that tonight before we jump over to the AHL side of things. And there's lots to talk about there. It's only been one weekend. But, boy, some teams have stood up and some teams are searching for it and some teams are um, just finding the, the, the bad end of the luck stick if that's such a thing. <laughs> well, I like part of it's, the luck stick. <laughs> part of it's scheduling as well. We talked about the quirkiness of the schedules and look there, you know, you have Bakersfield and Henderson that have two games played. And then you have teams like the goals, Barracudas and uh, well, the Eagles have a, uh, an overtime loss or a shootout loss, but Barracuda and goals of each have only one game. Yep, absolutely. Okay, that's a perfect way to take a break and come back and talk AHL in about uh, just a few minutes here. We'll talk to uh, bring some of our partners on, and then we'll jump in and get into the AHL stuff in a few minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. 
Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. If you live in the valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans. This indeed is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas Hotel, Resort, and Casino. 
Scott Strandy with you in beautiful Denver, Colorado, which Rob, I'll tell you right now, uh, it has been a fantastic two and a half weeks or more that I've been here. Just a couple of rough days. Uh, I know it's October and it's going to get worse, but uh, man, Colorado, you've been very, very nice to me weather-wise, and I appreciate that. Rob Rothfire, my co-host, is always joining me from Southern California tonight. Um, okay, we get we knocked off the NHL. Now it's time to start knocking off the AHL. So uh, tell us what's going on in Southern California with the various various teams, if you would. Okay, well, we could start off with the uh, Ontario Reign uh, since they had uh, played a game, a couple of games. They they played a their first game against the uh, San Diego Gulls. I saw both of their preseason games, and I'm telling you, if you would have told me that they would come out in, in the home opener and beat the Gulls, I would have laughed because they were outplayed, they were outskated. Uh, the the goaltending was was better on the Gulls side than on the King on the Rain side. But Martin Frick, two goals, and was the first star in the first game in the Ontario five San Diego two. Their goalie Matt Biata was stopped 22 of 24 shots and he was named the second star. And uh, so then Abbotsford came to town for their first ever uh, AHL game and they beat the Ontario Reign three to two in a, in overtime in a shootout. Uh, it was the first win slash road win in the Abbotsford uh, history. So uh, the rain started off one and one uh, where the goals uh, only had played one game and uh, they started out 0 and one. So uh, not, not the best start for the goals that they expected, uh, but the rain going one and one, I think uh, they were a little bit surprised by the uh, physicality of, of Abbotsford. And uh, I, I don't know if they took them lightly. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And the AHL, you never know. But one thing we do know, the top two teams from last year in the Pacific Division, Bakersfield and Henderson, um, both played two games, both 2-0. and um, Bakersfield, I understand, <laughs> um, got a win. But um, is it safe to say they got outplayed the other day? Uh, when Stuart Skinner stole the game? Is that the game you're talking about? When- yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, shot, that's what I'm talking 34, about. 34 shots and they beat the Paracuda 1-0? That that's game. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Even in the AHL, guess what? Goaltenders win games. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's just amazing. And uh, Henderson, um, to come out 2-0, and and they won both their games over Colorado. And I watched Colorado play in preseason – in person, and I thought uh, Colorado was pretty tough. Um, and for Henderson, uh, who admittedly was a bit shorthanded, our own Stephen Marsh was at both games, and uh, he said he was uh, honestly a little surprised that Henderson was able to walk away with uh, two wins uh, despite a, uh, a roster that was limited. And also, they got the news on Friday that uh, head coach Manny Viveros was going to be uh, taking a medical leave of absence for a period of time. Uh, Steven said he did see Manny uh, go into a, uh, a suite on Sunday. So he was at the game, but an undisclosed medical non COVID medical uh, leave of absence for Manny. And, and they still pulled out uh, the win and are two and zero right now. Did, did Logan Thomas play in both of those games? Uh, Logan Thompson. Tom- yeah, I yeah, believe did, so. Yep. I believe okay. so. Uh, just, I, the question is, why is he playing in the minors? We talked about that earlier, but I was wondering if uh, if he was going to get the the bulk of the work 
or if, if he was going to get uh, spelled a little bit early in the season. Because it is a longer season this season, and a lot of these guys are not used to the 68-game uh, schedule. Uh, remember last year was, what, 30 games, 40 games? I forgot what it was last year. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, yeah, you're right. 68-game schedule for everybody this year. Of course, we have nine teams in the uh, Pacific Division in the uh, AHL. Um, when we were talking NHL, we didn't talk Colorado and we didn't talk Arizona. Arizona playing their first home game tonight. Uh, maybe we'll catch that at the very end here. But um, I do want to mention that uh, the Pacific Division has become our home. We've grabbed everybody uh, in that league, so we're in the process of doing that uh, and getting connected with everybody and, and covering them all. Um Gosh, I, I, the AHL, well, I think it's the most uh, – well, not think. I know it's the best value in hockey uh, to go watch an AHL game, and I think the talent is there. It's really hard to get a read uh, at any time during the season. At the beginning, the middle, the end, it doesn't really matter because you just don't know what those rosters are going to look like, right? Well, they're, all, they're always going to be changing. Uh, you hope that they stay consistent just because the, the parent club – is healthy and they're not uh, struggling, so they're not pu- uh, pulling kids up and down. But from week to week, you just don't never know what call-ups are going to have to be made due to injury, especially with this COVID right now. You just don't know. Uh, so week to week, check in on the rosters to see if your favorite guys are still on the roster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I know with Colorado, uh, one of the teams that I particularly uh, am close to and, and cover directly is um, – the Colorado Parent Club, the Avalanche, have had some some run-ins with uh, with that. Nathan McKinnon still not in the lineup tonight um, because of of COVID, so uh, it's still lurking out there. And uh, the protocols are there. And even if you don't contract it, and God forbid you don't get really sick with it, it it's still protocol that you have to go through, which usually means missing a week. Absolutely. If you're if you're known to be uh, with somebody that contracted it, you don't have to actually contract it yourself. But if you're if you know someone that you were in close contact with what, through the contact tracing, you may you have to miss time. And, and because of that, you're going to see a shuttle between the AHL club and the NHL club throughout this season. You know what else comes into play, Rob? And I think we're already starting to see that is a shuttle between the ECHL and the AHL. Uh, our guy, Steen Pashnik, uh, is playing for the Orlando Solar Bears, uh, maybe. Um, down in Orlando. So there's shuffling going on all over, not just COVID-related, but injury-related as well. And I think that might be something we see most of the year. Well, you're definitely going to see that uh, this year more than other years uh, because you just have more reasons to have guys missing games and missing time in the lineup. And you're going to see the shuttles going between the uh, the AHL team and, and, like you said, the East Coast Hockey League and the Western Hockey League and whatnot. And you're going to see guys bouncing all over the place this year. This could be this could be one season where you're going to see guys on their ledger play games in so many different levels. Yeah, exactly the case. Okay, so let's quickly run down the standings, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the teams here in the Pacific Division. But Bakersfield off to uh, a 2-0 start. Henderson, a 2-0 start. Uh, the Rain, as you mentioned, 1-0-1 uh, shootout loss, so they have three points. Stockton uh, in the same uh, position. They have... Uh, an overtime loss, and a victory. So they have three points. The Tucson Roadrunners with two points on a one-and-one record. Abbotsford, one-and-one for two points. Uh, The Colorado Eagles, uh, 0-1, and the shootout loss. 
um, which would make it uh, just one point for them. And uh, San Jose Barracuda, 0-1-0, and the San Diego Gulls, 0-1-0, with no points. Um, okay, so I want to jump into Tucson, and maybe we can talk a little bit about the Coyotes in the same the same breath here. Um, I think that Tucson roster is is pretty darn good. And the scary part of that is, is Tucson may hold that roster uh, because a lot of their guys that are playing for the Coyotes are younger and uh, they may tend to stay healthier. Any thought on that? Uh, well, I, I, I think that because they're younger, I think that you're also going to see a situation where uh, as the season goes along, any of the veterans are going to or may get shipped out. And therefore, you're going to have to see guys maybe like Liam Kirk or a Barrett Hayton get called up because they're replacing guys that just were traded uh, that had some value. Uh, but you would think that with a younger lineup, they could stay healthy. But you can't predict injuries. Injuries is not an age thing. Always, It's just a, sometimes just the bad luck of the draw. And your minor league team might be a, become a shuttle because all of a sudden you guys can't – young kids can't stay healthy. So it, it, it's, you have to take a wait and see on this because you can't just say that since they're a younger team, they're going to stay healthy and uh, Tucson's team is going to stay intact because it just might not. Yeah, and true. And then the other thing that I look at with the Coyotes is they have a lot of players that are trying to either prove themselves again or prove themselves for the first time because they are a younger group. Um, so uh, there's going to take a lot for them to pull themselves out of the lineup with an injury because of the fact that – they're trying to show that they belong in the NHL and need to stay there. Um, Coyotes got smoked game one, but then uh, went to overtime and a shootout, I think, with Buffalo in a loss. But um, that was, uh, you know, it's going to be a learning process the whole year for both the Coyotes and the Roadrunners, I think. Well, both both clubs are very young clubs. So, And when you have young clubs, you have a lot of growing pains. You have a lot of teaching that needs to be done of how to be a professional, how to bring it game in and game out and how not to take nights off and not to take shifts off. So it will be a very interesting season for both the Coyotes and the Roadrunners because you're talking about the Roadrunners, I would think would be one of the younger teams in the league. Yeah, there's a chance on that. Um, so I, I want to ask you this because I haven't had a chance to ask you uh, your thoughts on, on what's happened with Bill Armstrong and the Coyotes and what they've done um, in in kind of regrouping, um, forget about the off ice stuff. We know that's going to still be an issue. There's no doubt about that. But on the ice, you like what Bill Armstrong's done in, in retooling and getting uh, draft picks. And man, next year they're loaded for bear. I, I've never been a fan of loading up on draft picks because to me that says that you're not trying to win now. And coming from the New York mentality of always not rebuilding and always retooling and trying to be competitive on the fly. Even uh, the Coyotes have been doing this too long. They, the last few years they've been trained away. their star players. They're really making it difficult for the Phoenix market to really uh, take hold of the Coyotes as their team, because they don't know, you know, with all these moves, it seems like they're going to try to move the team somewhere uh, where I don't know, San Antonio. I don't know. But it just it just doesn't seem like that Bill Armstrong and company want to be there long term. Yeah, that's an interesting take because uh, when I look at it, I, I'm I'm saying the same thing. I think the number one problem is is finances. It's like uh, you're still as close to the the bottom uh, as you can be in the salary cap. Um, you're not trying to to uh, 
pick up more guys, as you said, star players. You don't want to keep them. You don't want to acquire them. Um, so if, if that's the case, it seems a lot to me like it's a, it's a, a financial battle more than a talent battle. It's, it's definitely not a talent battle. They've had some good talent come through, uh, Phoenix and, uh, Arizona, uh, it's not a talent. It's it's always been a cost. It's always been a fan situation. Nobody wants to drive out to Glendale to see them play. Uh, they should have moved to the east side uh, of Tempe when when they had a chance, and maybe that fan base would have grown. Uh, I don't know. I just the, and by the way, the Ducks just tied up the Calgary Flames one one. Uh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> the uh, the Coyotes have been one of these organizations that are head scratches. It's like the Buffalo Sabers. It's like Okay, how much more number one talent can you get without being competitive? Yeah, well, because I think it, it's got to do with finances too. You have to, you have to have a mix. You can have great number one talent, uh, young talent, but you got to have some mix of veterans right. that can lead. And um, I just don't know where the road's going to take them. I think the Coyotes are in for a long year. A lot of people think that um, they, you know. And we talked about Buffalo and the fact that they're off to a 2-0 and start. But, um, you know, I mean, where do the Coyotes go from here? I mean, I know they're loaded for bear with draft picks, but what are you going to do with a bunch of draft picks again? Because they got a really good one in this year's pick uh, when they traded up to get number seven. Um, but then they have to send them back to juniors anyway. Right. So, so I mean, I, if you keep getting younger players – it, it, you're just pushing out how long it's going to be till you're good, right? Uh, most times that's the case, unless you're balancing out with with you know the gritty type of sandpaper type guys, with the veteran leadership to take these kids under their wings. Uh, and it just doesn't seem like the Coyotes are doing that. The only thing that benefits the Coyotes is maybe they're, and I don't say this in any disrespect, maybe they're just so young and dumb that they that they can block it out and they don't hear the noise and they just go out and play the game that they love that they've been playing since they're you know five years old. And they don't worry about the the white noise out there, you know. That's that's the only thing that I can think of it as a positive for being so young. Yeah, I think that's the case because uh, you look at some of the guys that are either young or they're coming. Like uh, Shane Gostaspear, for example, I saw him play in an exhibition game, and I said, "Wow, Shane Gostaspear looks like he's uh, uh, kind of uh, reestablished himself or reemerged, if you will." Well, you know what? Uh, you get beat up pretty hard in that Philadelphia media, a lot yeah. like New York, right? Oh, absolutely. You know what? We've we've talked about Shane Gossiper in the last couple of shows, and he is one of the more under-the-radar moves by the Coyotes that not only will benefit them during the year, but I think will benefit him at the trade deadline because if Gossiper turns around his career back the way it was at the beginning of his Philadelphia career, he's a stud. I've always been a Gossiper fan. I mean, he's he's along the lines of a Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, one of those kids that can play both ends of the the ice, but is so dynamic, so smooth with the puck, and just makes everybody around him better. Okay, so we were just talking about that. If uh, if you have good players and they have some value at the trade deadline, if you're the Coyotes, can you afford to trade them? Because then what are you going to have? You have more, more younger guys. <laughs> you're going to get younger. <laughs> you're going to get more draft picks. And now you're gonna have to use the. <laughs> then you're gonna be younger. <laughs> then you're gonna be younger yet, and you're gonna stash some guys in the minor leagues or, or uh, in the junior leagues, I should say. Um, okay, uh, but, I, I but digress. The other, thing, 
the other thing it does do, though, the more draft picks you have, you could also package them to make a blockbuster trade. Maybe they go after Eichel, you know, I, I, you know that type of thing where you package draft picks and go after a blockbuster type of trade like that. Uh, who knows, Malkin? You know, Malkin's up there in age. You know, maybe they they see this kid, Malkin could come in, and you know, so they will will be willing to overpay for someone oh, like that just, just to have a name. You just went and opened up another can of worms on me, Rob Rothfarb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the deal, though. Um, <laughs> if you if your finances are tight right now, um, what's the point of going and getting uh, a Jack Eichel, for example? You think Jack Eichel is going to be happy coming into a, uh, a young lineup like the Coyotes have and knowing that they're probably a long ways away from winning, especially that they're in the Central Division? Or would Jack Eichel be a piece where, where um, hey, Colorado's not so bad. Hey, Vegas isn't so bad. Hey, the Los Angeles Kings aren't so bad. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know if if a if a stud like that wants to come in and and just okay, hey, I want to be the leader of young guys. Well, at one at some point, you you have to you uh, utilize those assets to to acquire a big name because to, to continue down the road that they're going has not been fruitful, been not been beneficial, and they have no draw. They need to have a reason for fans that want to come to the arena night in and night out. Playing hard, winning games, yes, that will do it. But you bring in a, in a name that could bring fans in, bring the jersey sales up, you know, something like that. And, you know, that's where the the uh, assets come in handy. That can of worms is still open because now I'm going to go down this road. You brought in <laughs> Phil Kessel. You brought in Taylor Hall. You brought in uh, two of the best goaltenders you, you, you had in the league and Darcy Kemper and um, – uh, um, who am I missing? Um, Auntie Ranta. Auntie Ranta. Okay, so you had them, and then everybody looked at you and said, "Man, John Chaika did a terrible job. He he made deals for these players. Um, he gave away our draft picks, um, and now look where we're at. Oh, why did we do that? So I mean, you got a double-edged sword here. Um, well, you always do when you're a young team and you're collecting assets. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to just keep going the road of of youth." And hope that they youth will be served one day, or you're going to use your assets to try to acquire some big names and hopefully change the, f- the fortune of your franchise. Well, now I, t- I said we weren't going to go down the road of the off ice stuff, but I think it comes into play here because you have to solidify your off ice stuff. And, and let's be honest, you're currently the Coyotes, as as what we know right now, does, they don't even have a building to play in in Arizona next year. No, um, we're still waiting to find out what's going to happen. On that road, whether they renegotiate something with Glendale, which Glendale says absolutely we're not going to, whether they find another spot or what. But don't you think, Rob, that they have to um, find a a home and stability in that part of the organization before they can start to uh, look to go after uh, respected players? Well, you know, the the Coyotes have done done things backwards their whole time in Arizona. So that's no surprise that they would – that the arena thing would be the, like the on the back burner right now. Yeah. Who needs a place to play? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. You know, maybe, well, maybe they could just show a, like a, you know, a draft of, of what arena they, they could dream of making. Maybe that would have done that. To, they've already done that. <laughs> you know, but maybe that's enough to entice these guys to come to Arizona in hopes that one day they will be in an arena. 
<laughs> okay, well then, one more thing that we have to talk about, I think, when we brought this part of it up, is that um, you talk about players and their agents and things that have happened over the past, but um, Connor Garland left on not very good terms. Shane Doan left on not very good terms. That's been resurrected a little bit. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson certainly left on not right. so good terms. So at, at some point in time, you have to kind of reestablish that, don't you? You have to reestablish your um, trust with players and agents before you're going to be able to get somebody uh, a name, like you say, to come here and play? Oh, absolutely. 100%. You have to make sure that it's a place people want to come to play. And for an organization and for management that uh, and coaches that uh, players want to play for. Well, the only thing I can say is that, that uh, the kids are going to get the opportunity this year. Some of the guys that we talked about uh, will get some opportunities that, that kind of been uh, you know forgotten about. And we'll see how they gel. We'll see how competitive they are. And if they're competitive, maybe they maybe at the trade deadline they use some of their assets to get uh, to acquire some more uh, quality players and not just uh, throw away the season by trading all their uh, worthwhile players. But we'll have to see. Well, you know, it, it's an early. We're only in the first week of the season, so uh, you know a lot of things can happen between now and just January. Remember, there's still that month off for uh, the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I, I want to touch quickly on the Colorado Eagles and, of course, their parent club, the Avalanche, also won our coverage area. We didn't talk much about them, if any, uh, in the NHL portion of it. But um, Colorado's got – you talk about good use of cap space. They've done a fantastic job for years uh, with that, and Joe Sackick's done a great job. Um, but now they're dealing with some other types of things, like McKinnon out with uh, – with, um, um, you know, COVID-related things. Landis God gets suspended for a game for a hit. Um, they, they have some different things that are going on there that just um, that a little bit odd for a team like the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Especially with, you know, they're a veteran-laden group. They have, you know, obviously a couple of kids, but they're, they're a team that's expected to come out from game one and be competitive and be one of the teams to beat in the – not just the Western Conference, but just the NHL in general. And to, to come out basically stumbling out of the gate and, you know, then you have Landeskog with the, uh, with, the, uh, with the suspension and, you know, McKinnon being out. And now all of a sudden it just starts snowballing. And, you know, you need that veteran leadership in the locker room to just say, whoa, 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 it's, it's two games into the season. Let's just halt the brakes here a little bit and let's just let the season play out a little bit before we panic. Okay, so that leads me into their uh, AHL club, the Colorado Eagles. And like I said, I saw the Colorado Eagles play uh, uh, an exhibition game in person here in Colorado, and um, they were they were pretty impressive. Uh, and the one thing with the AHL, you see so many players move from, from team to team and from organization to organization, but somehow those uh, AHL coaches, and, and I'm including uh, the Colorado Eagles in this, uh, they have some way of putting guys together uh, with great coaches that that are really good teachers and can bond a um, some sort of a team aspect to compete, and, and that's got to be really hard, doesn't it? Well, there's no substitute for experience, and when you have uh, quality veterans and even the staff that's tenured, you know, there's no panic. They they've been through it before, they've seen it before, and they're able to just keep everybody under control and everybody moving in the right direction without the panic setting in. 
Okay, so we'll wrap it up on this. As you look at the Pacific Division today, I I know just two games or one game in for some teams, but as you look at it right now, um, what you expected, or is there any surprises out there? You know, it's the first week. Uh, So many times teams come out of the gate so cold and then make a run in the second half, or or vice versa. You know, what what I'm going to say is let let the season play out a little bit. Let let's see, you know how the Avalanche do. Let's see how Vegas does handling the injuries and if Leonard could carry the load. Let's see if the Kings and the Ducks with their youth uh, and some veteran leadership with Kopitar and Dowdy. Let's see how they mesh with their teams and and uh, see w- what kind of run they can make. Uh, it's a wide open division right now. And, you know, we know that Vegas is going to be there in the end. We know Edmonton should be there in the end. But who else would it be? Will it be Calgary? Will it be Vancouver? Will Anaheim sneak in? Will San Jose try to sneak in? Obviously, they're going to try to sneak in. Will they be able to sneak in? So, I mean, California has some good teams, but will they be left out in the end? Okay, so the same question for the AHL teams. The Bakersfields, the Hendersons, the Rain. um, are they right now in about the order that you would expect them to be? Or were there some things that you thought, hey, i kind of surprised that happened in the first couple of games? No, I, I mean, Bakersfield and Henderson being 2-0, no, no surprise there. Colorado being 0-1-1, basically 0-2, very, not, not something I expected out of the gate. I figured that uh, they would split their first two games. Uh, I figured they'd be more 1-1 teams, honestly. Uh, but the goals, we'll see what happens with the goals. I mean, the goals uh, have – four games coming up in the next like week or so that uh, we'll see could be, you know, the start of a good streak for them or they could continue on their losing ways. Uh, I think that uh, I think that San Diego will be one of the competitive teams. Uh, I just think that right now they're still feel feeling out because they got guys that were just called up. Uh, we'll see if anybody else gets called up to the uh, Anaheim Ducks because it looks like the youth is served for the Ducks more so than the Kings. Well, I'll wrap it up with this. As I look at the Pacific Division standings, and I know, folks, it's very, very early in the season, but I look at three teams right smack in the middle, Stockton, Tucson, and Abbotsford, and I think they're all three wild cards. I think they can go down or they can go up or they can just sit right there, probably more than any of the uh, other six teams in that uh, Pacific Division. Those three really intrigue me, and I can't wait to see what happens as the season plays out. Because, uh, again, keep that in mind, folks. I say Stockton, Tucson, and Abbotsford are the three teams that you want to watch and see uh, if any of them or all of them can escalate their game and get to the top or if they stay right there or if they fall down uh, to the bottom part of the division. We'll see. Okay. We rolled through another night. That went uh, really quickly. It did. It did. <laughs> uh, so, Rob, I'll let you take it away. We'll say good night, and then uh, hopefully next week we'll be working on having some guests again because uh, it's uh, nobody wants to listen to us for an hour. But what the heck, we did it anyway. Hey, you know what? We sounded pretty good. So, the D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Summer Skates. Fall, winter doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Whether it's the Long Bar or the Andy Amo Steakhouse, we are more than just great gaming action. Book your spot at dd.com. Boost Mobile, where all plans include a mobile hotspot and America's largest 5G network for less. 
by Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, where we can provide for all your hockey needs on the ice or in line. See the website for our three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it takes you to eat your meal, there are so many delicious choices, it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than actually eat it. By M-Drive, supplements to fuel your drive. Refuel your drive with M-Drive. The D Las Vegas Resort Casino's Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on the TuneIn app. Hey Alexa, turn on my ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by the D Resort and Casino is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. We will say goodnight with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, and we will ask you to join us again Tuesday night uh, for uh, uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. And, of course, Wednesday night, I intend on being live from Missouri State as they prepare for a huge showdown uh, in the ACHA Division One WCHL ranks. So, uh, Rob, thanks for another great night, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Keep watching AHL and NHL hockey, folks, and keep listening to ITHSW podcast and ITH, uh, IcetimeHockeySW.com on the website and, of course, IcetimeSW on YouTube and Instagram. Good night, everybody. Good night.